There's something, I'll say there's something kind of about a kid that's never played baseball. If baseball is about caring, about loyalty and rivalry. Bayerga is 0 for 3. Left center field. Grissom on the run. The team of the 90s has its world championship. There's a very peaceful thing. It was created and played in pastures and meadows. There's grass, there's outdoors, there's everything that people thought was American and feel about America. You get in a ballpark and it's the wonder of walking through that dark tunnel and seeing a huge open space where men play the little boys game. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. in right center. If he hits one there, we can dance in the streets. The 2-1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Breed. Here's the throw to the plate. He is. You're in Braves country. one strike here. Guriel, the last hope for the Houston Astros. Here's the 0-2 pitch. Swung on. Bounced over to Dansby. Dansby fires it over to first. And here comes the dog pile. Fire the cannons in the battery. Do the chop, baby. All throughout Braves country. Pop that top. Your Atlanta Braves have won it all. Take me out to the ball game. Hey, howdy, hi, and how the hell are you? Are you ready for baseball season, my friends? We're doing an entire two-hour show and not talking one iota about football, the Super Bowl, the upcoming XFL season. We're burned out. It's time to start and talk some baseball. We'll react tomorrow. I figure folks need a break after, what is it? We're going on about 20 hours or so since kickoff of the final NFL game of the season. And plenty of time to react to that all throughout the week. But I wanted to do nothing but baseball. It's what we do every year on Monday after the Super Bowl. And... We're looking forward to it as we are 40, well, we are just over six weeks away, what, 45 days away from opening day, and the Atlanta Braves are heading into a season where they're one year removed from a World Series championship. We made the the playoffs last year. We won the division for the fifth year in a row. So that's all the positives. Of course, the negatives were we, we lost to our division rival in what is essentially the second round of the playoffs now because you get the, the first week by or the first round by. I'm still not really crazy about the way that they have that set up because when you're sitting here talking about 
a game of baseball, which is played every day, and there's a rhythm to it. And we ended the season on a Wednesday. Now we clinched the division on the day before on the Tuesday. And then we did not play again until the following Tuesday. So it was a week off. That final day of the season, not many of the starters played, and the ones that did did not play long. Guys like our old shortstop Dansby Swanson, if you remember, he came in and just made an appearance, and then they pulled him out just so he could say he played in every game. And, you know, to, to me, it's disingenuous. If you're going to play, play the damn game. Nothing on Dansby, but I'm just saying that if you're going to play, play play the game play at least half the game going in for an appearance does not count and if for some reason he were were ever to approach cal ripkin jr's number that's the one that's the game i'd always point back and say not so fast my friend but anyways we go ahead and we move on and we are in a season where it's a big turning point for this Braves organization because do we get back to the top? Do we make it? Cause no matter how you look at it, this season is once again, world series or bust. Once you've won a championship with this core, anything less is going to be uncivilized. You can, you can point to, now, granted, the first championship they had was tainted by, by the cheating scandal, but you can point to the way the Astros are built, where the Astros are in it to win it every single year, and they are not setting themselves up to be okay with, A, not winning the division, but B, more importantly, not advancing and at least getting to the championship series to me bare minimum if the braves do not make it to the nlcs it will be a colossal failure considering the talent we have on this team now we've got a lot of clips that i want to play because i think a lot of people probably have missed some of these clips over during the off season so we've got a lot of clips that we're going to play throughout the show we've got some from snicker and i've got some from anthopolis where they were being interviewed all throughout the off season and they were essentially being asked about last year and going into this year. So I want to start this off with what hasn't been too long ago. Brian Snicker was extended in the off season and that always makes a manager feel well. I think it also brings a good jumping off point to start the season where he doesn't have to worry about, and not, the, and not that he would have been worried about, but he doesn't have to worry about some cloud hanging over his head on whether or not he was going to be the skipper down the road. An extension, especially at Brian Snicker's age, because we don't even know if he'll ever get to the end of any of these extensions, right? Because he, he may decide to hang him up. or I, He doesn't seem like the type. I think he's a baseball lifer. And I think you have to physically remove him from the dugout. But... There might come a point where, where Snicker says, you know what, enough is enough, and I want to spend time with my family. Because it is a grind. It's a seven-month grind that we see if you are successful and you get to the World Series. Really, you can count eight because of spring training. 
and the grind really begins in January because they start getting together with the coaches and whatnot. So if you really look at it from the, from the standpoint of what it takes to be a major league baseball manager and not that they're not doing stuff in the off season as well, they're still evaluating and going over things. It's not just, it's just not quite as cranked up in November and December. They kind of go and reset themselves, recharge themselves. But if you look at it, that's a 10 month commitment of every single day. There is no off day for the management. There is no off day during the season or on the outer edges of the season either way, because if you're off, you're spending that time figuring out how you can make the team better. Now the players get the physical day off of rest and most of them mental day off rest, but the managers really don't. So we hope Snicker stays around for a while. I know he drives some people nuts with some of his decisions, but all in all, you can't argue with his success and you can't argue with the fact that Snicker is a calming present presence in that dugout in in that clubhouse. And he doesn't push the panic button. We're 10 and a half back. We come roaring back. We'll get into that in a second, but I did want to play the clip for snicker on where he was and whatnot before and after the extension. Here, here's a quick clip. That was great. I mean, I was honored and thrilled when Alex called and um, we had the conversations. And um, honestly, I hadn't really thought about that yet. And um, uh, just kind of honestly taking it a year at a time, seeing how I feel. So I'm very uh, grateful to the organization, Alex, Terry McGurk, um, for allowing me the opportunity to keep going for a while, especially to be here. Like I said, I, I'm an Atlanta Brave. I was born and raised here. Um, so it's great to know that I'm probably going to finish my career here. So, um, you know, it's not, doesn't happen very often anymore. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's one of these places where I don't know anything else. So just, I'm honored to, to keep going with, with the Atlanta Braves and, and the faith that they've shown in me. And, and, um, hopefully we can keep this, you know, keep this thing going. So there you have it. And once again, it really come, it really plays more to the point of, you get a a clubhouse who knows that he's there for the long haul. You don't have to worry about anything. And look, it would be absurd for anybody to think that Brian Snicker's job would be in jeopardy. He just won the world series two years ago. His extension now goes through 2025, not a long extension. They don't do a lot of those really long extensions in major league baseball anymore. He, uh, but you have to look at something else too. He's 67 years old. So at 67 years old, you're taking this all the way to the, through the 25 season, he'll be 70. Does he want to continue to manage at 70? And that'll be the big question, obviously, but all in all, I think that snicker is one of the best managers in baseball. And it's, it's such a cool story too, because when you look at how, he made it where he's made it and been in the Braves organization for now well over 40 years. It's it's just such a cool story in general. And, and then as Braves fans, we love the fact that he's been with our organization for that long. 
and and he has a relationships with these guys coming up through through the ranks right you can't have a guy who is in the organization bringing up all these kids throughout the way and have not built really really close relationships with all the kids coming up and obviously it's a little different for guys to get traded in matt olson and of course this year we we have the the uh the addition of sean murphy but they quickly have learned to gel and a lot of it has to do with the fact that i'm sure these guys that are that are in the dugout or in the clubhouse that are saying look we've known snicker for years and this is what he expects and yada 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 so one of the things one of the biggest things that snicker did last year was he had a closed door meeting after the loss on may 31st so the extra innings loss to the arizona diamondbacks I believe it was a tuesday night game i know i did the game because the next day I was not doing the game and I'd heard about the closed door meeting. I was watching the game and you could see a difference. Now I, at the time you didn't really know that this was going to be a springboard at the time. What you really thought about was thank God we got to win. Cause it was constantly win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose two. It was just, it was ridiculous. And the ups and downs and ebbs and flows of a baseball season. Everybody knows what that's about, but at the same token, you know, this team was just removed from winning a, a world series championship and the Mets were playing incredible baseball. And you could not gain any ground on them. And though at that point I had not given up on the division per se, you were stir. I was starting to, at that point, look around and say, all right, well, maybe it is the wild card for us this year. And what does that mean? It means we have to play an extra round. And look, at the end of what it's all said, that, that might have been the better path for the Braves. Had the Braves not expent all that energy to run down the Mets and catch the Mets, they might have been playing very good baseball that very first round, won it as the Phillies did, and might have been able to, to move on. And who knows? I still think that Braves team last year, even without Freddie Freeman, was as good as, if not better on paper, than the 2021 championship team. But what the 21 championship team had was they had guys that caught fire at the right time. They had Eddie Rosario in the NLCS. They had Jorge Soler in the world series but you look at the pitching the pitching was much deeper much deeper we were limping towards the world i didn't know how we were going to get to that world series championship because it was literally not figuratively this time it was literally freed and anderson and pray for rain we were if you remember we were piecing it together with bullpen games, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to play a quick clip on Snicker and that closed door meeting. 
Well, I, you know what? I think that was going to happen regardless of a meeting or anything like that. And it wasn't any fire and brimstone or anything like that. It was just kind of, I think every now and then we all need to get together and kind of assess things and see where we're at and how we're going about it. And, um, you know, it's just, I, I think it's kind of like my grandkids sometimes. They lose focus every now and then. And uh, so I, I think we just, you know, you talk about that, kind of get the thing back on track because if you're not careful, a train can get away and you can't get it back on the track. So, um, you know, I think it was just a matter of time before we really started playing the baseball that we were capable of. It didn't happen early, but that's why, you know, we play six and a half months. So, um, you know, you have a lot of time to write the ship and, and thankfully our guys did that. These guys are the pretty much the same every day they come. That's the, the unbelievable trait and professionalism that each and one, of, each and every one of these guys have. And that's that work ethic. And they do. They come to the ballpark every day to prepare and to play that day's game. If it doesn't work out, it's like I always tell them, it's, well, that day's over. We can't control that anymore. So we'll come to the ballpark. And, and um, you know, because if you handle adversity and you handle those rough waters that you have to tread through in this sport, there's really good things on the back end of that. But you got to handle it. And you have to take ownership of it and, and not point fingers. And, and um, if you do that, there's always good on the back end of that. So there you have Snicker on that. And remember that was, man, that's in the dead of the summer. They always say you can't win a division. You can't get a playoff spot by the end of May, but you could darn sure lose it. And it's, it felt like we had, we were starting to lose the division. May 31st, we'd lost an extra innings, eight to seven against the the Diamondbacks. It was, it was such a frustrating game. So we turned around right after that closed-door meeting. It was a 6 nothing win, and then we take off. We head to Colorado, where, where we have struggled from time to time over the years, mainly because it's such a taxing place to play. We remember it was a four-game series. It's such a taxing place to play on the road, especially in a four-game series, because you could just drain your bullpen. But we came out that next day and exploded 13 runs. I remember that was right in the middle of the NBA playoffs, and I was watching the game with the buddy. But he, well, where we were at was more focused on the NBA playoff game, but I made sure one, one, one uh, set was on, on Braves-Rockies. I saw them have the 13 runs after winning 6 nothing. You're feeling good. The next day, we went 3-1, to 6-2, to 8-7. So you're feeling good. And then you come back home and you're looking at it as a Braves fan. I remember at the time, right before that road trip out to Arizona and to the Rockies, we knew coming back we, that the schedule was in our favor. We had two games against the A's, won them. We had three games against, I'm sorry, four games against the Pirates, won all four of them. And rattled off, I believe it was a 13-game winning streak. Came back and had had to go to Washington to play the Nationals. Swept them there. Then we lose when the fir the first game we lose out of that entire lot was a road game. I remember it was really cold. It was a Friday afternoon game in Chicago. I did the game and it was a boring game because not only was it cold, the wind was blowing in and we lost it one to nothing. 
And then we lost again to the Cubs six to three. Like, oh Lord, we just won 13 in a row. We're going to turn around and lose third. We're going to lose 13 in a row, but they're right. The ship and they go in and they, and they beat the Cubs blank them, get back home and continue playing very good baseball. And that really was the springboard. And you take it all the way down to the end of the season where we had to have the big series against the Mets. We knew we had to sweep them. If we lost one game against the Mets, we were going to end up being a wild card team. And like we've talked about, maybe big, big picture, it would have been better to not worry about it and just let the division fall where it may. And I think in the future, Snicker would do that. I think he, he, he wouldn't expend all the energy, but you, you didn't know how the team was going to react. Cause what you're hoping for is having that, that downtime, they would get recharged, re-energized. Instead, they came out flat, but they swept the, the Mets, all three primetime games, two of them on national television. Matt Olson hit a home run in every single game, came up in a big way. And they didn't just beat the Mets three in the row, three in a row. They beat Scherzer or DeGrom Scherzer and then Bassett, they're they're one, two, and three. And it was huge. It was absolutely enormous. That next day, that, that Monday evening, you knew the magic number was one. But you wondered how well they would play. Elder came out. He took he he um pitched his first so so game, but I think the team was flat in general. And then we come back the next day and Odorizzi, who's now traded to Houston, he ends up getting the W. The Braves win. They 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 clinch the division for the fifth year in a row. So even though it didn't work out in the end winning a championship, you can still go back and, and look at it and you can still have something to hang your hat on. What you have to hang your hat on is this. We did it. We won the division. We may not have gotten back to another world series, but we won the division and you can't take that away from us. And so, and you know, and you know, it still bothers Mets fans. So you love that as a Braves fan. And that kind of puts a cap on the, on the 2000, 22 season. I'm going to play a real quick uh, clip from AA talking about that whole thing with the postseason. But I, I just want to give my thoughts before I played this. We hadn't won 100 games here in Atlanta in over 20 years. And uh, it didn't feel like it because the Mets played as well, if not better, for the, the majority of the year. So, you know, we it was a grind all the way to the end. Second to last day of the season, we finally clinched. I don't think we were, we were, at, we were out of gas, or I don't think necessarily it was the layoff. I know it's easy to point to that stuff. One, the Phillies deserve a ton of credit. They were really good. They played really well. They had a really good team. I mean, we, we've seen them a bunch in the division. They played us tough all, all year. So it was close between us during, during the year. I know it was 87 wins or whatever it was, but they were a lot more talented than that, and we weren't surprised. But the big thing for us is, you know, when we've had success, we've pitched. And, you know, Kyle Wright had a great start. We won that game. Max Freed, like you said, not to make excuses for him, but he had lost a bunch of weight. He was sick. Um, he was supposed to make that last start against the Marlins. He wasn't ready to go. He couldn't even be there the night before to celebrate with us because he was so under the weather and he was back at the hotel. But obviously he still felt like he could pitch and he gave us everything he could, but it was his lowest velocity of the year, shortest outing of the year. Um, just, he was not right. And, uh, we know he's a frontline guy and a top three Cy Young guy. 
when he's out on the mound. And then Strider, um, I think if he had gotten more innings, he would have been the Cy Young. He would have been in the Cy Young conversation during the year. So we were trying to squeeze whatever we could out of him for two innings. It was unbelievable. Um, but you know, the more we looked at it, we think maybe the up and down his legs that maybe had a factor for him in the third inning. And but again, give the Phillies credit; they're a great lineup, great team. But we do think it starts with the ro- with the rotation. And um, we we had a strong rotation during the year. And we think when they're right, they're healthy. Uh, we've got a chance to to win the whole thing. And real quick, just to put a cap on it, I think a lot of people second guess the Braves and what they did. I. The circumstances with Max Freed, maybe you would have been better off pushing him back several days and had maybe it would have been better to just have uh Morton go instead. But they were going off of who who you know who was the elite player at the time. Who 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 was the who was pitching the best? And they all gave it their all. It was just one of these situations where you can't just be good. You got to be lucky, too, to win, right? And we were a little unlucky with Max Freed being under the weather. And then, of course, Strider not pitching for several days. You could tell that he had ran out of gas. Now, my only question about it was when you saw him get up in that third inning and he had struggled the way he did, I think they should have had a much quicker hook on him. But then when you get into playoffs, you're looking at it as how am I going to fight our way through it? I if they if they make it through Philly with with just the ex, pure exhaustion that they had, I don't know if they could have pieced it together to get past San Diego anyways. And a stumbling bumbling bunch is not going to be the the Astros. So when it's all said and done, I don't think a lot of it would have mattered. Philadelphia was playing very good baseball. You can't take that away from them. But the Braves expounded a lot of energy to try to catch the Mets. They got them. But next time, I think they'll probably not worry as much when you know you have a wild card sitting there. But with all that being said, Major League Baseball needs to change the format of the days off. The season because we don't have a lockout this year, the season will end on a, on a Sunday as it should, as it always does the first round of the playoffs. I don't care if you're just trying to figure out who it is. The first round of the playoffs in the wild card. It needs to start the very next day. It needs to start on Monday. And if you're only going to have, Unless you're going to do a thing where where there's a doubleheader involved, if you're going to do a thing where there's a doubleheader involved, then then take that Monday off to, to reset and, and and put a doubleheader on Wednesday. Play one game on Tuesday. Play a doubleheader on Wednesday if need be. Okay, then I'm fine with that. But the next series for the teams that got the bye, it needs to start by Thursday. Friday at the very, very latest, but by Thursday, because you're not really getting an advantage of getting that by if you're giving me a freaking week off. Because it's the old argument, rest versus rest. You see it in other sports, but in baseball, it's more than any other, more than any other sport. 
baseball is an everyday sport and you can't take that much time off. Okay. We're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the shortstop situation of the Atlanta Braves. We are going to get into the rest of the NL East today. It is a full on Braves country onslaught on the Super Bowl hangover show. Keep it locked in here on Braves country HD and 99.1 FM. The key. What are you babbling about? Well, maybe, maybe I just think you're being a little hard on her. Well, that's nice. But right now I am too angry to pretend to give a crap about what you think. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Are you looking for a reliable dental practice that not only cares about your teeth, but is friendly to work with? How about one that offers great deals and new patient promotions? Well, your search is over. Most Valuable Smiles in downtown Eatonton, Georgia, is committed to giving you the biggest and brightest smile. Right now, get a $99 new patient special, including x-rays and exam. Maybe you're looking for veneers. Most Valuable Smiles veneer special includes one free veneer with every five purchased. Or get that bright white smile you've always wanted by taking advantage of an exclusive $100 off Zoom whitening treatment when you book today. And don't forget that 2022 is almost over. That means most insurance policies will reset by the new year, and to avoid losing that extra money, you need to use it or lose it. Book an appointment today with Most Valuable Smiles in downtown Eatonton to lock in these exclusive deals. Call 706-623-0318 or visit mostvaluablesmiles.com. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, Yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Welcome back to Braves Country. Mac McGee the armchair quarterbacks. Weekdays, three to five PM. Drive time. You eat. Welcome back. So here we have the number one question at hand in Braves country this offseason. I believe the biggest question that everyone wants to know is the shortstop. Who's going to play shortstop? Much like left field, who's going to play shortstop? We'll dive into left field in a minute. But folks are clamoring left and right. If you remember down the stretch when everyone was worried about, are they going to re-sign Dansby? Re-sign Dansby. Please re-sign Dansby. And I get it. He's a fan favorite. He's from the area. There's a lot of reasons why they should have re-signed Ansby Swanson. And I am not in the camp that they should not have. But they didn't. He's in Chicago now. 
and they have a budget that they feel like they have to stick in with because you got to understand how the Braves are built very analytically. They are going to, and this is not just on the field, it's off the field. They have certain numbers that they, that they're going to work within like any business. And because of their salary constraints at this point, they're going to stay within those numbers. And with that being said, there is just no way that they're going to give one guy, especially an aging middle infielder, a long-term extension when they believe they may have the answer at a much cheaper rate. And when you saw the number that Dansby ended up signing for, 177, I mean, that tells you right there that there was no way they were going to compete with that. Because of, from all accounts, at the very most that he would have received from Atlanta would have been somewhere around five for one ten ish, give or take. Instead, he ended up with one seventy seven for six and the AAV is just, it's much higher. And whether or not you want to agree with it or not, that's what it is. So we move on from that and we talk about who do they have? Who can they put in there? Is it going to be Grissom? Is it going to be RC? Is it going to be a a uh, a platoon system? Well, here's the first thing with Anthopolis had to say shortly after the Swanson signing. You know, I, I'm, I obviously when it comes to free agents, I'm, I, I can't get into any specifics, but um, I would say this: right now on the roster, we've got Orlando Garcia, Von Grissom that we think can handle the position. Um, if we don't do anything from the outside, whether that's sign someone or trade for someone. Those guys will compete. No one will get handed that job. Orlando Arcee has done it before um, with, with the Brewers, with playoff teams. Von Grissom, we like his long-term upside. But, you know, we know that if we do uh, end up having to play him there, there'll be some growing pains. That being said, um, we still want, want to get better. And one way to get better is at the shortstop position. So uh, if there's a way to add from the outside, whether that's free agency or trade, uh, we're still going to be, be open to doing that. And I think the key thing to take from that is free agency or trade. If Grissom and Arcia are not getting the job done, one or the other or both, by the time the deadline comes, the trade deadline in... So we're talking about having, what, four months to be able to evaluate on on a daily basis. If they're not getting the job done, but the Braves are still in the mix for a playoff run like we expect them to be, honestly, a trade may be in the works, and it may be one that Braves fans won't be very happy with. Because if they're if if they really think that they're just a short stop away and they have to mortgage their future for someone who they may only have control for a shorter period of time, 
but they have to trade away a young kid like Grissom. And it's affordable. Anthopolis will do it. But what everybody hopes is Grissom steps up, plays shortstop like we know he can, or, or that we hope that he can. And they are able to develop him and compete for a world championship at the same time. And then you've always got Arcia, who's no slouch himself. And the great thing about having Arcia on the roster, and we're going to lose him at the end of the year. He's, he's going to be a free agent. And there's no way that the Braves will pay him what he'll end up getting from somewhere else. Cause he's still a very good shortstop slash second baseman who can produce, who can produce and the Braves are, are going to be clipping coupons again next off season. This doesn't end until the end of the television contract, which still has a few more years to go. And when they are able to re up with the new television contract, the sky is going to be the limit, the limit for the Atlanta Braves. It's one of the reasons why you see Atlanta pushing these contracts out and extending these kids. Cause they didn't want to lose them in the middle of this and have to rebuild again. They're looking at it as if they can hold on towards the back end of this decade, they're going to have the money to be able to go out and get other guys. But if you look at the absurdity in the difference between what Atlanta is spending And what the New York Mets in the same division is spending, it's absurd. After taxes, right now, it's being projected that the New York Mets are going to be spending $460 million plus this season. And remember, they didn't get... Carlos Correa, like they were trying to, that could have been up near four. That could have been up near $500 million, half a billion doubling the Braves salary. When you still look at it, I still feel like Atlanta's a better team. So talking about Swanson, et cetera, without, you know, at the time he really couldn't say Swanson's name. This is Anthopolis' thoughts on the shortstop position now. Taking Vaughn, and again, Vaughn's going to compete with Orlando Arcia, right? So young, high energy, the makeup's off the charts, his aptitude's off, off the charts, um, big guy. So it's easy with your eyes to say, I don't know if this guy could stick at shortstop. Had him played a whole lot of second base. He played a little bit, but primarily on the left side of the infield. Mm -hmm. So it was a crash course. He was coming in really early on the first bus every day on the road and here at the ballpark in Atlanta, getting early work with Washburn. He was still getting up to speed, playing the position. And look, we saw some flashes. Things look good. Other times where he was a little rough. Mm -hmm. But the one thing with him is he's gotten better every single year. And we didn't get to see him at the big league level on the left side of the infield. Now, in the offseason, we have a meeting with the staff, go through the offseason, approach plans and so on. I want to get everyone's take and opinion. We talked about Vaughn as, as a group. And – you know, Wash felt like, look, we clearly wanted Dansby back. That was the priority. 
but you just don't know when guys get to free agency where the dollars are going to go. You have to talk through if we can't get there financially, where are we going next? Do we have to trade for a guy? Do we have anybody internally? And the more it was discussed as, as a group, as much as Dansby was clearly the guy we wanted back, if it wasn't going to ha- happen, could Vaughn or Orlando handle that job? Could it be something where you just, you're hitting them ninth, you know you're not going to get a six-win season, highly unlikely like what you just got. Mm-hmm. Can they hold the fort down, and do they have upside? And we knew what Orlando RC could do. We felt pretty good about what the bat is. We know what the de- defense is and so on, and we, we like him. Um, and then the question was, can Vaughn handle shortstop defensively? Mm-hmm. remember asking Walsh many times, like, I don't know what he's going to do with the bat. If he wins that starting job, are we going to come to a point in the season where we feel like, hey, we have to make a change defensively and so on? And he felt like with work, with proper reps and so on, and he said, if I can get him for a week to 10 days at a time in the offseason, three times, I will have him ready come spring training to compete for that job. And with that being said, Vaughn Grissom has been all in, and he has shown up in, to all accounts from – Wash and look, whether you, whether you want to buy what Wash is saying or not, this is his job. This is this is what they pay him for is to be able to evaluate. He definitely has the experience. You can't argue that. Ron Washington says that he believes that Vaughn Grissom is ready. And what it really comes down to now is showing us on the field every day and going to the post every day. And you're talking about the growing pains that's going to be there. But the great part is assuming everybody's healthy. And that's a big assumption, obviously we're all day to day, right? But assuming everybody is healthy, you're going to be able to give Grissom the days off the mental days off with Arcia. You're going to be able to do that. For Ozzy Albies as well. Remember something. People say we didn't make a big acquisition in the offseason realistically outside of Murphy. Not true. We're going to get one of the best second basemen in baseball added to this roster this year. Because for all intents and purposes, Ozzy Albies did not play for the Atlanta Braves last year. He spent most of the season on the IR. And it had a big effect. We know that he can be a little inconsistent at, with the bat, but he's still a presence in that, in that locker room and in that order. He still has the potential to go out there, and when he gets hot, he gets red hot. And I think he he'll, he'll have a big influence in how well Ronald Acuna Jr. plays because they're so close, and it makes a big difference. And hopefully. As young as Ozzy, as young as Ozzy Albies is, he won't be fighting injuries all this year as well. Really, was a couple of fluke injuries, and we didn't realize it then. But when he slid in to second base and had the hand injury, and it put him on the shelf again after waiting so long to bring him back, that probably was the death nail to the Braves' realistic chance of winning another World Series. 
because you'd already lost Freddie Freeman. Matt Olson played very well, especially down the stretch. But when you have, I'm talking about from a leadership standpoint, when you lost Ozzy Albies for basically well over half the year, it really makes a difference in that locker room. And even though he's there, it's different when he's not playing. So here's Brian Snicker on what he thinks they may do at shortstop and looking in towards spring training as pitchers and catchers report for the Atlanta Braves this Thursday. You know what? That's why we're going to go to spring training and and play six weeks of games. I mean, he's worked extremely hard. This kid is, has an unbelievable work ethic. He loves to play baseball. He's a very good student of the game with a lot of skills. The only thing he doesn't have right now is a lot of experience. But, um, you know, he's worked, I know, really hard this this winter. We'll go. We'll run those guys out there. I mean, we have some uh, we have some decisions this year in two or three different areas um, with some competition, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's that competition breeds really good things. So, um, you know, we'll get down there, and we'll take it a day at a time, and, and uh, we'll plug, you know, all these guys in and see where we're at at the end of the spring. So there you have that. This spring, over any other spring training, for the Atlanta Braves in recent memory is going to be enormous, not just for the development of some of these guys, but to find out who's going to win the starting job. I don't remember one in recent memory where you have, especially a team that's supposed to compete like this with Braves. I don't remember one where you actually have three key positions four if you want to count the closer, although I do believe it's going to be Iglesias in the end. If you want to count the closer position, four key positions in this spring training will be decided over the next six weeks of baseball. And oh, by the way, there's some momentum that's going to be busted up by that with the with the World Baseball Classic. Now, the Braves aren't losing a ton of players to it, but it still throws off the rhythm. You're not going to have Ron Acuna Jr. there for a couple of weeks. It's going, it's going to be, and obviously he's going to be a starter, but I'm talking about the camaraderie and the chemistry in the locker room. So it's, it's going to be a difficult grind down the stretch. And you're going to get into the middle of, of spring training. You're going to start seeing, trying to read the tea leaves, so to speak. And everyone's going to have their opinion. We're going to do quite a few broadcasts probably more than we normally do normally would do uh, for spring training of the, of the Braves. And one of the reasons is I want to see from my own eyes. I want to see from my own eyes. Are they where they say they're going to be? And you can read all you want, but unless you watch the games, you really don't know what's going on in on, on and off the field. But when you look at the shortstop position, the left field position, and like I said, you could argue the closer position, though I believe it's going to be Iglesias with Minter spelling it from time to time. It could be a lefty-righty matchup, but I don't think there's a question on do we have a closer. It's more of the question on, on how they want to deploy them. And then the number five starter. These are all questions that are, that are going to have to be asked. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to Matt Olson. And the newest member 
of the battery to the battery. We'll be back in a flash here on Braves Country and Braves Country HD, wherever you stream. Why do you keep your mouth shut? I'm not taking off my clothes today. I'm styling and profiling. You just be glad I'm here looking the way I look. Armchair. That? That's the sound of NyQuil Severe, hard at work. NyQuil Severe is the best sleep with a cold medicine. No tossing and turning, just rest and recovery. So you're ready to take on tomorrow. For powerful relief of your worst cold and flu symptoms, try NyQuil Severe. The nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, aching, stuffy head, best sleep with a cold medicine. Use as directed. Keep out of reach of children. Hey, Braves fans, the Armchair Quarterbacks YouTube channel are bringing you Braves baseball all season long. Hi, I'm Mac McGee, and I'll be bringing you Braves baseball play-by-play for the Braves fans out there, for all of Braves country. So pull up an armchair and join us for Braves country baseball, first pitch to last pitch, Tuesday and Friday nights, right here on the Armchair Quarterbacks YouTube channel. Hey, sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. This helpful instructional message from the National Association of People Who Have Trouble Walking and Chewing Gum at the Same Time. Step, chew. Step, chew. Step, chew. Step, chew. Welcome back to Braves Country. Mac McGee the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Drive time on WQEE. I am definitely down for some rock climbing. Yeah, me too. I am down. I am totally down. Lock me down. Cool. So, uh, what do you say we climb a rock manana? Uh, manana. Uh, manana might might be a problem. I'm I'm supposed to uh have a boil lanced manana. You know, I, I think they charge me if I cancel with only one manana's notice. baseball season and last year the Braves made a really big move before Freddie Freeman could make his big move and no matter what they try to tell you now what it really came down to was the Braves and Anthopolis were given an ultimatum by Freddie Freeman's camp that said you have until X hour to compete with Y offer 
or Freeman's walking. Now, Freeman contends that was not the case. And then after all the dust settled, Freeman's agency, the representative who Freeman, by the way, fired over this, said that this whole thing is is blown out of proportion. No matter who you believe, it doesn't really matter at this point. The point is Freddie Freeman's a Dodger. And Braves country was crushed, but the blow was lightened because before it happened, the Braves make a huge move for Matt Olson. What Matt Olson did in the first year, being a local kid, but also having to deal with the with the shadow of Freddie Freeman hanging over you. And we had just won the World Series, so there was you couldn't have more pressure on this guy. I I, I thought he played phenomenally. And whatever we got out of him last year, I think you're going to see him explode this year. Matt Olson came up huge for us in the down the stretch, especially in, in that Met series. But I think you're going to see a much more relaxed, and he's going to feel like this is his team now, that he's not just visiting. Here is Anthopolis on Matt Olson's first season with Atlanta. Yeah, he, he was he was great. There was a lot on him, right? You're getting traded after a World Series year. You're replacing a Hall of Famer. Um, you're, you're changing leagues, contract. You're getting married. You just got married. Um, new teammates, new everything. It's a lot. And that's not to make excuses for him. But with that, he still had 34 home runs. He still had an 800 OPS. Still played gold glove defense at first base. And I think he'll just keep getting better. I think just one other year now, he knows what to expect. Um, there's no firsts anymore in Atlanta and all those things. And there's the comfort and great in that playoff series against the Phillies. No, really the two biggest series of the year for us against the Mets facing Scherzer and DeGrom and Chris Bassett. He showed up big time and had a great series, which was a huge part of that sweep. And then into the Phillies series and the DS, obviously you weren't able to advance, but he played really well and had a great series. So we know what he can do. He's a very accomplished player. And um, he fit in great. You know, the other thing is he plays every day. It's what we do here in Atlanta. We have players that post. And uh, he played He played every game and was outstanding for it. So there you have that. And look, Matt Olson, though, a lot of people believe that he can be much better. Like Anthopolis said, 34 home runs, 103 RBI, an 802 OPS. Hey, pretty darn good. But I think he's going to be much better next year. Remember, in 2021, when he really burst onto the scene, although he had already been playing very well for a few years there, you got to throw 2020 out of the books because <clears throat> it's such a shortened season. It's hard to to project. Well, this is what he would have done. It's it's impossible. If you throw that out since 2018. He has not hit less than 29 home runs. Last year was his lowest OPS since 2018. You're you're not going to get a high batting average from Murphy, from excuse me, from Rolson, but I do think you're going to get a higher average than what you did last year. He hit 240. With the 802 OPS, I think we're going to get around a 900 OPS. I think we're going to get a guy who's going to be hitting around 270. If you look at his previous years, that's about the mark for him. And I would be shocked if he is not closer to 45 home runs 
than he is of his 34 this year. And 34 is nothing to sneeze at, but a true power hitter in today's lineup, in the middle of the lineup like that, I really believe you're going to be looking at a guy who's going to be hitting closer to 45 home runs. If I was to hedge the bet, I would say he's going to be closer. And what I mean by that, he may even exceed 45 home runs. But he's going to be, I believe, at least 40 which would put him closer to 45 than, than the 34. I think the RBIs will probably take a, take a tick up too. He'll probably get another tick. You know, I'm looking at like 110, 115 RBI, but a lot of those are situational. He plays great first base. Didn't miss a beat over there. And you did see him have great situational hitting. And I think that's key. That is absolutely key to the Braves being able to go back to the World Series and maybe win it all. But you're going to have a guy who seemed like that he fit in with, with, with everyone in the clubhouse. He's got another year with him. And I think that combination of him and Ozzy and Riley in the infield, along with most likely is going to be Grissom. I do think Grissom is going to win that job in the end and play the majority at the number six slot. And then Sean Murphy, we'll talk about him here in a minute, but that is an incredible core in the infield that should play very, very good baseball for the next four to five years. And then, of course, you've got the outfield with with, with the two mainstays are going to be locks, Harris and Acuna, and they just got to figure out left field, and we will talk about that here in the second hour. We have got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Sean Murphy. What can you expect from the newest Brave? And what are we going to do with Travis Darnode? Because Contreras is gone. What about Darnode? We'll be back in a flash here on Braves Country. Keep it locked in here on the key in Braves Country HD, wherever you stream. You're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM, the key in Noonan, Georgia. I mean, it's not easy being me. When I was born, a doctor told my mother I did all I could, but he pulled through anyway. Hey, sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Screen pass to Treshawn DeAndre on the right side. Touchdown! Rod, wait a second. I think there's a flag on the play. All right, you guys got holding on number 97, right? Yeah, definitely holding. No touchdown. All right, make the call. Yeah, I mean, it was holding. So make the call. Or, you know, we say the flag was for an excessive celebration so they can keep the touchdown and apply the penalty to the kickoff, huh? What do you say? What are you talking about? I didn't see excessive celebration. You sure? I could have sworn I saw a little nae going on. What's going on with you, man? All right, look, guys, I got to be real with you. Treshawn DeAndre just scored that touchdown. Okay, I have him on my fantasy team this week. I need these points. What? 
Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you, Bill. I'm playing against my father-in-law this week, and if he doesn't score this touchdown, I lose. Well, I'm not going to let you make a bad call because you're in some fantasy football league. Doesn't make make any- the call. Craig, no. If you make one bad call— This works out perfectly, Bill. I started the quarterback who threw the touchdown pass. We're going to have to ignore the holding call. I had the kicker, and I was kind of hoping that he wouldn't convert on third down, so he'd have to kick the field goal. I'm sure. Enjoy sun-drenched days, epic stays, and plenty of room to roam in Greater Fort Lauderdale. Our hotels, attractions, and restaurants have taken the Visit Lauderdale's Safe and Clean Pledge so you can relax and explore with confidence. When you are ready for that well-deserved staycation, our 23 miles of golden beaches await. Find wide-open spaces to hike, bike, kayak, and paddleboard. Learn more at sunny.org. You know, the great thing about being a football player is you don't have to take a shower to go to work. You're listening to Braves Country. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern, 99.1 FM, the key in Noonan, Georgia. If the tone leave your name and message, I'll get back to you. This is Shirley from the bank. The answers are no, no, and yes. No, we won't loan you money. No, we won't accept any cosigners. And yes, your account's overdrawn. I get off at 4.30. Are you listening? Baby, hope y'all enjoyed your Super Bowl Sunday. We look forward to it every single year at our house. A lot of great friends come over, and a lot of great food. Wife does an incredible job laying out the land and decorating making sure that everyone's going to have a good time. And then I just try to, to, to cook the best I can and, and try to be uh, ready for Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, But we're not talking football today. We're not, we will react to all that tomorrow, as I promised. For folks who are new to our show, the day after the Super Bowl is happy hangover day. And we don't, it's not just hangover because you you might have indulged too much during the game yesterday. It's because we're sick and tired of football because they drag out the Super Bowl for two weeks. And once it's over, I'm done with it. The next day, the day after, the day after that, we'll talk. We'll react. But today, it's all about baseball. Braves are... Brave season is just over six weeks away. Spring training, the first spring training game for the Atlanta Braves is going to be a week from Saturday, the 25th. And the first game for the Atlanta Braves is March 30th. And that game is going to be 1 p.m. Eastern. Now, now, first of all, the spring training game is going to be uh, Saturday, uh, February 25th. At, it's a 105 first pitch. They're, they're playing the Red Sox. Still waiting to see a full announcement on the games that will and will not be televised. We will get that to you. The first actual game, games that count, Although I love spring training as as much as I do a lot of other sporting events because I love 
watching these guys develop and and the storylines. But the first actual game that counts for folks who who just can't get into spring training, and I get it. The Nationals will be the home team. Braves are at the Nationals. Nationals Park, 105 first pitch, Thursday, March 30th. And planning right now that we will bring that game to you. There's a couple of hoops I have to jump through to make sure we can do that, but we'll uh, get... We'll get all the details to you on that. That's uh, two, a little less than two months away. So, so March, so, uh, I guess for all intents and purposes, a month and a half away. So we'll get all that figured out and uh, get the details to you. And we're planning on doing many more games this year here on Braves Country HD. For those folks, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I do a fans play-by-play. Uh, -play. So... It is a traditional play-by-play, radio-style play-by-play. We, we we don't have the video of it or anything like that. So if you're wanting to watch the game, that's that that's not what we do here because we don't have the licensing for it. But we will do the the uh, the audio, and a lot of folks pair us up with their device. Should be a little quicker than 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 years past. I know some people have talked about how. Uh, we're, we're a little behind the, the new platform that we're using. We should be right right there with it. And, of course, if, if you know how to pair up a device, it's not really that big a deal either way. But we should be a little quicker, as I've noticed, this platform, uh, there's not as much of a, of a lag. So we're looking forward to that. Traditionally, in years past, we've always done Tuesdays and Friday nights, and we're going to continue to do those two nights and we're going to sprinkle in one to two more games a week. And like I said, what we're probably going to have to do is just announce the games we're doing on a week-to-week -week basis. I'm trying to lay it out and get a decent idea, but because some times can change, et cetera, et cetera, I'm not going to release an entire schedule out because, first of all, I don't think anyone can pay attention to it and remember it. And second of all, some of these are fluid if, if they get – there is a version of the flex in Major League Baseball, so you don't know 100% what time the first pitch is going to be on all these games. But we do know March 30th, first pitch is 105 Eastern. We are planning on carrying the game. Okay. Let's get into what we were talking about before the other side of the break, and that is the catcher position which I believe is, look, I hated losing Contreras because I'm just a big Contreras fan. I love what he can do with the glove. I mean, excuse me, with the bat. And I do believe that he was getting better with the, with the glove. I, th I, th I think he made incredible strides. I don't know if he'll ever be elite, but I think he could be very good. And his bat is up there with the best of them already at the catcher position. But the Braves were looking long-term. They were looking at defensive metrics as, look, if you're going to be a Braves fan, you're going to have to understand that they run most of this stuff off of baseball analytics. And they were looking at the pop rate, and the pop rate with, with Sean Murphy is top two, top three 
in all of baseball. There are some metrics that are actually showing he's the best. And the pop rate means from the time the ball pops the glove at home plate to the time the ball pops the glove at second base. For, so from, from home to second, he's elite. He's top of the line. And we know how folks have ran on the Braves in the past, and they've just shortened the base paths because they've expanded the bases from 15 inches around circumference to 18. So it's a little closer, not much, but it's a little closer from first to second, second to third, third to home. And of course, it should expand uh, batting averages because it's a little closer from home to first. So I think the Braves were looking at how are we going to be able to compete if folks are be able to run on us left and right, which they have been able to. What can we do? Now, they had Manny Pena coming off the IR, which he was involved in the trade as well. But they were looking at how can we get a guy in here to help us with that, with the pop rate, behind the plate, but not lose a whole lot at the dish itself when, when he steps into the batter's box. And it doesn't get much better than Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy, and I know a lot of folks are not familiar with him. And I get that. He's from Big Skill, New York. Went to Wright University. Third rounder from the 2016 amateur draft. He is going to he's going to be 28 years old this year. He's well, he's 28 at opening day. He was born in October, so he's 28 essentially all season. And last year he had a three, five war. And when you look at what he has done at the dish, let's say we'll just take the last two seasons because once again, 2020, you throw it in the, in in the garbage and 2019, he only played 20 games. He was very young, just coming up, but I was already aware of him in 2020 in 2019. It's one of the things that happens when you get deep into these fantasy baseball things. You start looking for guys that you can start earmarking for the future, possibly in any kind of dynasty fantasy baseball stuff. And they were really high on him. Now, he had never really done what they thought he could do at the plate. But he was also playing in a very weak lineup in Oakland in a huge stadium. He's now going to go to a very good, if not great, lineup in Atlanta and a much shorter porch. He has averaged 17 and a half home runs his first two seasons. He has averaged about 63 RBI. He has averaged about 50 walks. And his batting average went up to 250 last year, taking his OPS up to 759. It was 710 
in his first full, full season in 2021. Now, you still have Travis Darnold. It's not like he went anywhere. And I heard some some real goofballs that were talking about, well, now it makes Travis Darnold expendable, and where will they trade him? Or will they tra- You're not going to trade Darnold because you've got the designated hitter slot, and you really need two catchers in today's game anyways because you try to keep these guys fresh their legs fresh. So when they are not just behind the plate, but when they're in the batter's box, they're not just grinding through their knees, barking at them, et cetera, et cetera. So I think what you're going to get at the plate, all in all, when it's all said and done behind the plate, excuse me, I think Sean Murphy will get about a hundred games. Because remember, they also just locked him up to a long-term deal. So you don't want your 28-year-old catcher knees breaking down because you just made a huge financial investment for him over the next six seasons. So with all that being said, I think he gets about 100 games behind the plate, giving Travis Darnold about 60. And then Travis Darnold, I believe, will be in the designated hitter slot. I'm going to guess somewhere in the another 60. Because when healthy and swinging the bat well, he's as good as we've got to play DH. I know what the potential is for Ozuna if he makes a squad. That's still a big if. Well, we got to be real, and Ozuna has not played great baseball past few seasons. But Darnode, he had 426 plate appearances last year and ended up with 18 home runs. So he's right there with Murphy. His batting average a little higher at 268. But Murphy's going to rake. On a pull rate, Darnold can shoot it up the gap. You can put Murphy, I believe, probably towards the bottom of the lineup, and you can put Darnold somewhere towards the middle upper. And I'm saying Darnold somewhere on f- the fifth, number five, maybe number six, depending on righty-lefty combos. I think Murphy's going to be somewhere between six and eight. Your shortstop position to start the year off is probably your number nine hitter, and your left fielder is probably your number eight hitter. But Murphy and Darnode are going to combine behind the plate, I believe, for about 35 home runs. And last year, when with Contreras, would, would Contreras hit, what, 20? You're not going to have quite the offensive pop that Contreras can bring, but it's not going to be slacking. And Murphy, I believe, so Murphy is sitting there over the last couple of years getting 17 and 18 home runs, respectively. That was in Oakland. In Atlanta, playing in Atlanta, I, 25 home runs is very gettable for him. 
Because though he's going to have 100 games behind the plate, I th- he'll, he'll probably get 25 to 30 games at DH, somewhere in that neighborhood. I do believe you're going to have an opportunity for other guys to play DH that do not play the catcher position. You don't want to always just have them in the lineup when you're giving them a day off. You do want them to rest. But I think the guy who's going to benefit the most from, from this is going to be Travis Darnode. Because Travis Darnold, he always plays so much better off of rest when when he's not behind the plate back-to-back-to-back days. And I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of that. I think Darnold is going to be more every third game, sometimes every other game. And once again, a lot of it's going to have to do with, with, with the night game that follows a day game dips. But all in all, I think I think you're going to be looking at a very, very good situation behind home plate for the Atlanta Braves. And here really quick is a clip from Anthopolis about Murphy. Yeah, we obviously great defensively, great player, no doubt about it, but great defensively. Um, we value so much of what he does, the blocking, the receiving, the throwing, the game calling. Um, and then you had Travis Darno to that, who is so good at, at that, caught every inning of our World Series run and really the glue to our, our clubhouse. You have a tandem like that with those two, and we've got the at bats open. I think we're going to be really strong, and those guys will be able to get some rest, stay, stay fresh, and uh, they should make the starters and the relievers much better. So it was expensive. We gave up a lot of really good players that we like quite, quite a bit, but um, you got to give to get, right? And it was going to be expensive to get a player like And look, like Anthopolis said, it's going to be expensive. And look, if you if you do add Murphy, you can't have three catchers of of that caliber on your team. So I, I get why they had to get rid of Contreras. The Contreras fan in me would have liked to have seen them keep him. See if they could figure out some other way. I mean, could they have taught? Remember, they tried it one game, and I guess they just weren't impressed. But could they have tried to te- teach him? Could they have taught him left field? You never know what the behind the scenes on on that was, but that's probably more of a pipe dream. And though I would have loved to have kept him, I really would have hated to to, to lose Darnold. I love Darnold, man. Darnold has been such a big. Ri- Darnold has as much of the reason for winning the 2021 World Series for the Atlanta Braves as anybody else on that team. I know that Rosario won the NLCS and Soler won won the uh, the, the World Series MVP. And Jock Peterson had a big part in it. But Darnold caught every single inning in the playoffs. Darnold had some big plays. I mean, some big hits. That home run that he hit against the Dodgers was absolutely enormous. And he is, at this point, as big a clubhouse leader as anybody. You do wonder what they will do long-term with Darnold. But right now, I just, I couldn't see 
giving him up. I couldn't see letting him walk because if you did that along with losing Freddie and losing Swanson and you lose Darnode all in within a two year span, I think it just would have absolutely crushed him in the locker room. So Darnode coming back. And remember, they, they've got a club option for Darnode next year as well. So really, if they want to, and assuming he's still, and I don't see why he wouldn't be, but you can play devil's advocate and say, well, he's going to be 35 next year, catcher. Do you really want to pay him $8 million? da 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 But it's a club option, and they can ride him out till, till the end of 2024, and I guarantee that had a big reason to do with why they traded well, they felt like they could trade Contreras because I'm sure they believe, they see long-term that Murphy's obviously the answer answer, but Darnold can help be that transition over the next two seasons. And then you'll just have to see where you're at. I mean, 2025, that's so far in the future when you talk about an athlete, who cares? Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that rotation. And what Snickers sees, Anthopolis sees, all that and more. We'll be back in just a flash here on a very quick break here on Braves Country and Braves Country HD, wherever you stream, keep it locked in here on 99.1 FM. It's the best in sports and entertainment. And get locked in and locked down with Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with your host, me, Ryan O'Neill. Each and every morning, right here with the best in sports and entertainment, all the way from professional sports to college sports to River Dragons hockey and everything in between, including some of the very best local and national guests. It's the Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday, right here on 99.1 FM WQEE. Hockey season, and that means new merch over at rdragonsmerch.com. Get the latest designs and some of our fun new souvenirs ahead of what's sure to be a great hockey season. Celebrate another season of River Dragons hockey by getting a new look to wear on game days, or surprise the big-time sports fan in your life with a new keepsake that will make them a River Dragons fan for life. Order online right now at rdragonsmerch.com. That's the letter R, dragonsmerch.com. We'll see you at the rink. Hey folks, this is Mark White with the Mark White Show, and you can tune in to the Mark White Show every Saturday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. right here on Rock 99 WQEE, the key, the home of Southern sports and talk. Hey sports fans, weekdays 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern, drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Welcome back to Braves Country. Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Drive time on WQEE. Let's go! Awesome Riley jersey on. Ready for Braves baseball just here in a few weeks. Excited for the World Baseball Classic as well. And we're looking at a situation here where the Atlanta Braves pitching rotation is going to be an interesting one 
the the bullpen i believe is elite once again which <laughs> i've i say it once i say it a million times most two most important things in life is great friends and even a better bullpen here is the biggest question everyone wants to know who's going to get that number five slot because you have to look at it right now max freed is the shoe in as the opening day starter you would think i would think you would probably have strider at number two we'll see to me if i'm setting the rotation it's freed strider kyle wright and then of course uncle charlie and after Morton, the big question gets to number five. Is it Stro is it Soroka? Is it Elder? Does Ian Anderson push his way back into the mix? A couple other guys, Wasker, you know that people keep wondering about. There's a lot of guys, and of course, guys like Kyle Moeller have, have been shipped on. So, so they have to feel good. About, and look, I think you have to have seven starters in your organization that you feel can go to the post every single day. And we do. But then you have to have realistically about a dozen, maybe even more of options because there's going to be injuries. There's going to be time where you just want to give a guy a reset. He's struggling. He needs to, as they call him, the, the phantom IL visit. So let's listen to Snicker on Mike Soroka. Here we go. Well, you know what? He's going through a normal offseason, which I'm really happy for him because it's really tedious and hard for these guys to go through that um, the rehab procedures like he has and then to have the big setback like he did. I admire how he's handled this whole thing. He, he just, he's been very, very good. And he was even when the second one um, happened. I mean, he had a great spin on things. And I just, you know, I so was with him last weekend and, um, I know it's kind of like Ozzy. I know these guys, they, they just can't wait to get out there and get a little dirt in their spikes because, you know, and, and, and be with the group. You know, Mike was doing everything on his own last year. And I, I know I'd go on a backfield and watch him do fielding drills and, and the conditioning and things like that. So um, I know he'll just be happy to be in a group and run around with the guys and go through the drills and do the sides. And when the game start, you know, do his innings so we can, uh, you know, we can build him back up. So there you have that, Mike Soroka. And you know, you know, it's funny. It's he's so far replaced from because of his injuries. You forget how darn good he was. Mike Soroka is still only twenty five years old. I swear, it feels like he, he ought to be in his mid thirties, but he's only twenty five years old. He'll be twenty six in August. And he has not played an actual season since 2019. 2019. It's unbelievable that it has been that long. In 2019, though, 174 innings. Two eight, uh, I'm sorry, two six eight ERA. He was top ten in Cy Young voting. He was thirteen and four that year. Dominant. He was the ace to be. We were hoping Max Free could just help spell that. 
So if we can get this from him, hey, we might have something. We might have something. Now, I'm I'm not expecting the moon and stars from Soroka this first year back, but if you can get him, and I also don't know if he's going to make the team opening day because they might want to ease him in, make sure that, that Achilles is, is really, really, really ready to go. So when you look at it, and of course he tore that Achilles in the 2020 shortened season, he only pitched a few innings. What, what did he pitch that year? Yeah, 13 innings. And so you, you throw that one all the way away. He did not throw it all in 2021. They tried to get him to do some things and he had to have another surgery and there was a setback after a setback after a setback. He finally got to pitch a little last year. He pitched 25 innings in a ball and triple a And you don't like what the outcome was because it was 25 innings, 15 earned runs, 5-4 ERA. But when at that point, they're probably just telling him, just get the ball over the plate. We want to see what you have, et cetera, et cetera. This is the first time he's been able to have a normal offseason going into the year without the starting and stopping, the starting and the stopping since 2019. Because remember, to the 2020 before the injury, that was the – that was the pandemic year where they shut it all down after the, after they were revved up. Did that have anything to do with the, with the injury? Probably not. But the point is, this is the first time in four years since he was two, 21 years old that he has been able to go out there and have a normal offseason. So hopefully everything is well. And you still have Bryce Elder who pitched incredible down the stretch. Ian Anderson, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I think that was all between the ears. I don't think it has anything to do with his arm. It's his mechanics. I watched game after game after game that I did of Ian Anderson. What I kept seeing is he wasn't fighting the strike zone. He was bouncing the ball to the plate. Ian Anderson needs to have more confidence in that very good low fastball that he has, and that sets up the changeup. What he was doing is he was trying to get everyone to try to fish for the changeup because he lost confidence in his fastball, and a lot of it had to do with location. But here is Anthopolis on the rotation. Yeah, the upside is just huge. You know, I was talking actually, I was talking to Max Reed today, and just about how Ian Anderson and Soroka, the fact that those guys right now are scheduled to to compete with with guys like Colby Allard and Bryce Elder as well. But just with their track record and what they've done, clearly Ian Anderson and Soroka um, will be the guys that I think definitely have uh, our front runners for that spot, for the five spot. And Ian Anderson, our game two starter for the playoffs in 2020. Soroka in the Cy Young conversation, his first full season in 2019. Like you said, it's been a while. He was just here in Atlanta the other day throwing. He feels great. So they all have options. And um, we can go with a hot hand at any time. You know, If they both look unbelievable or Ballard looks unbelievable or Bryce Elder, there's a scenario we could go with a six-man rotation. Um, it's not ideal and it's tough to do um, in terms of you being able to take away a guy from the bullpen. But that's the hope that these guys perform and they're good and we have depth starter spot. And uh, we're definitely excited because the upside for those guys is huge. 
So when he talks six man rotation, and I've been in favor of that in the past, I, I do understand what he's getting at. And that is the fact that when you do a six man rotation, if it doesn't work out and the guys don't go deep into these games, it can be taxing on your bullpen. And if you're going to do that, then what you really have to do is you have to have more of a guy, maybe even two guys in your bullpen that are long guys, right? And until they get to the point where they allow you to have, because of, as it's constructed right now, you can only have 13 pitchers in your on your team. Until they get to the point where they let you add an extra man and let you run, I mean, I think it's a little it's a little absurd at this point to have thir- to have it limited to thirteen, considering the arm injuries that we see in baseball. And now we have the designated hitter in both leagues. So you have the designated hitter in both leagues. Do you really need a four man bench? You can have one if you want it, but do you need one? I think it's much more advantageous to most teams to have three guys who are very versatile on your bench and have that extra arm and maybe do a six man rotation. But that's another argument for another day. The other thing that he said was about Colby Allard possibly competing for that six, but I'm not buying that. If, if he, if he competes for the starting rotation job, it's because of injury or it's because of incompetence from the other guys. There is just no way Colby Allard, who has been averaging around a five-plus ERA last several years, all of a sudden going to be some some stud starter. Could could he piggyback? Sure. But that's it. There's, There's no other way around it. And so I really do believe it's a three-man race. Assuming everybody's healthy, which is always a big assumption in baseball. But it's going to come down to Soroka, which is who everyone I think hopes. And the backup plan would be Elder, who pitched phenomenally last year. And then, of course, Kenny and Anderson get it get it right and if for some reason all three guys are hitting on all cylinders what that does is it opens up one of them to be dealt at the deadline and that would probably come down to let's be honest who is willing to sign a long-term extension to save the braves some money on the back end and who isn't and so you just never know how that's going to be. By the way, Soroka, though, it had been rumored he will not be in the World Baseball Classic for obvious reasons. The Braves, that's the last thing Braves wanted to deal with. It's him going to the World Baseball Classic. I mean, are you kidding? I mean, I mean, what are we talking about? I can't believe that was even a conversation. Guys have been able to stand, stand up on two legs in three years, and there was talks about, well, maybe he'll, he'll go play in the Classic. Really? He's going to go play in the Classic? Soroka, if you want to go play in the World Baseball Classic, we'll see you in, uh, I think the next one is 2026. We'll see how you do there. The other thing, real quick, is on the Max Freed possible extension, here's the comments from Anthopolis. Well, I would say this to you. I think having a deep rotation is really important. And when we're making the decisions that we're making and we are making decisions on what we believe we can 
pay guys or how far we're willing to go on extensions. It's because we know we have other decisions to make, right? So whether that's at shortstop or first base and so on, we know we've got other decisions down the road. We knew at some point Riley we want to extend, right? We know at some point, um, you know, we knew a guy like Harris. If he's good, you're going to want to keep him too. You've got Acuna Albies and so on. Um, obviously, Sean Murphy's been signed too. So if you look at our organization, our roster going forward, stating the obvious here, the only two starters that ended the season with the Braves that are under control past 2024 are Kyle Wright and Strive. Hopefully Ian Anderson comes back. Hopefully Soroka makes the team and he's got two years of control left and he doesn't see Gwinnett again, right? Like we want all these guys tapping to their upside. Hopefully some of these young prospects emerge and they become, but as of now, Ian was on option. Soroka was on option, right? They weren't with the team. So just based on at the end of 22, you got a five, that isn't going to cut it. So there you have on that. And I look, it just doesn't sound like Freed's going to get re-signed. And I just, I, I understand why. It's it's the economics of it. It sucks because I he's he's one of my favorite players. You know, there's a reason why I've got that that uh that that beanie that that hangs right next to or right over the uh, championship banner because that's the beanie that Max Fried wore. The, the famous picture with him in the sunglasses and the and the and the cigar, very Joe Burrow like, right? Where he's you know this is the championship, right? Where we we did it. And I and I love that. And I'll, I'll, when I always think of Braves and a beanie, I'm always going to think of Max Free. But the economics just speaks for itself, and we're probably going to lose Free to a big market team. At that point, he'll be in his early 30s. He'll be able to get that one big deal, kind of like Carlos Rodon just did. And do you really think in two years the Braves are going to sign Max Free? If you if you really think of it levelly, with a level head, do you really think the Braves are going to give? Max Freed, a five or six year deal to take him into his late thirties and pay him over 30 million a year. I just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If they can get him to agree to a much cheaper deal. Sure. But he's, he's so close to free agency. Now he's ready to cash in and he, he's only going to get that one chance at that one really big contract. So I know we'll be hearing these speculations for two damn years we'll have to listen to it or maybe one because atlanta might 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 jump the gun and and trade him at the uh during the the offseason next year when he's going to become a free agent the only way he would get traded this year is the braves absolutely fell apart and they're having to just cut bait and say well we got to go in a new direction but he'll be here this year, and we hope he'll, he's there until the end of 24. And maybe that gets you another World Series title. Hell, who knows? Maybe it gets you two. I'll take that, and I'll wish him luck. Just like I wish Freddie Freeman luck for winning us a title. I wish Dansby Swanson luck. I'm going to miss them. I love them as, as, as members of, of this Atlanta Braves team, but the reality is it, it is a business. Here is the Braves General Manager Anthopoulos, Alex Anthopoulos, on the bullpen depth, and I think we've got a phenomenal bullpen. Better than last year. I like the bullpen. I like the depth we have now. Because, um, you know, look, whatever we think we have going into spring, we're not coming out with it, right? You guys are going to get hurt. You don't know who, but you hope mm -hmm. it isn't someone significant. 
Yeah, you're right. You just, but something's going to happen every year, right? Someone's mm-hmm. going to be down. We don't know, and it could be position player, reliever, starter. So you're constantly worried about depth and who the next guy is. So, yeah, if everyone's healthy, you can look at the roster and feel pretty good about it. But I think we obsess about the next line. Like, let's say 11 start, 11 guys will make starts probably on average, right? So it's like, who are those 11 guys going to be? I know who the first four are going to be, but like beyond that, who, who's it going to be um, in the bullpen the same way? A lot of guys are going to be out of options right now. How challenging is that going to be? You carry one long guy, two guys. You go with one long guy, he goes two, three innings. He's down two or three days. The next day, starter goes an inning and a third, he gets hit in the ankle. You're going to crush your bullpen that day. You can't option guys. Like Those are all the things you have to worry about, right? So over the course of six months, playoffs, totally different. Look, we're going to need guys to bounce back. We have guys under contract that had down years. I mean, state in the obvious and have talent and ability, but you can't fill everything, right? So you're going to have to take some shots, go for some upside. I think we have a good team, but, you know, beyond that, who's going to stay healthy, what kind of seasons? You know, I expect us to, you know, be competitive, and as the year goes on, we're going to have to adjust like we always do. First of all, before we go any further, how great is it that we have a general manager that not only does but wants to talk the, the ins and outs of our baseball team? Because you have some general managers that never appear – and never talk in public, and, and and even worse, you have some that show up and they're just dull as dishwater. Love listening. I could listen to Anthopolis for hours and hours and hours on end during the offseason on what goes into it. And though we're aware of it as fans, when he brings it up, it lays it out even more. When you talk about that bullpen and the options that they have to go with, that's going to be another part of this spring train. It's going to be very fascinating. How many long guys do they go with? I'm always in favor of two. And realistically, Jesse Chavez is a long guy. Now, they don't always use him as a long guy, but it's nice to have Jesse Chavez as that guy who can go two innings, three innings in a pinch. I don't know. A lot of them can do it regardless, but I kind of expect that's what Colby Allard's going to be. That guy that can come in and eat some innings for you. Because there are games, and we hate it as, as fans, Hated even more as broadcasters when you're doing a game. You're like, they are literally not trying to win this game. They're just trying to get through it. They hope for the best, but they're not putting their best foot forward. But that happens when you play 162 of these suckers. You can't go in. You can't go all in every single day. It's like, come on, man, let's go. We got to dump out the bullpen here on June 14th. Because we, we don't want to fall three games behind the Mets, or we want to make sure our lead is two games in front of the Phillies, not one. We feel like that as fans, but it's not realistic. It's a grind. It literally, of all the sports, it is a grind. And so that's kind of gives you the big picture of the Braves and what they're doing. As far as the, the left field position, I really think at this point it's going to be well, there's a few options. We got to take a really quick break. We'll be back in about 90 seconds, and then we will touch on that. You're listening to Braves Country and Braves Country HD. Let's go, baby.
It's the best in sports and entertainment. And get locked in and locked down with Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with your host, me, Ryan O'Neill. Each and every morning, right here with the best in sports and entertainment, all the way from professional sports to college sports to River Dragons hockey and everything in between, including some of the very best local and national guests. It's the Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on 99.1 FM WQEE. Dixie Handle Company, five generations of the Strickland family have produced quality hardwood farming garden tools, wooden shutters, and custom furniture. This small business has been owned and operated since 1992 and ships to customers across the world. If you're looking for the highest quality tool handles, Dixie Handle Company is your place. Every item is handpicked to your specifications. If it's made of wood, they do it. Call now, 931-722-3395. That's 931-722-3395. Or go online to DixieHandle.com. The Dixie Handle Company. Welcome to Craftsmanship. A proud sponsor of Braves Country Baseball. Welcome back to Braves Country. Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks, weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m., drive time on WQEE. All that's coming up here in the in the spring. I'm gonna da- dabble and see. I don't. I don't know. I just. I don't know about the XFL. I don't know if I can get behind. But I, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. As a sports fan, I wish them well. I'm much more of a USFL guy, just because. As a kid, that was that was the league. So there's a nostalgia, even though it's nothing like that league. So it's kind of hard. I'll be much more all in. I'm not gonna lie about that. I'll be much more all in on the USFL if the Jacksonville Bulls were to resurface. That that was my boyhood, uh, childhood team, and though they only played a couple of years, I was enormously ravenous when it came to the Bulls. That's why you'll notice in the on on video every day you'll see above my right shoulder, right right above the. The Braves championship banner, you'll see the Bulls. Uh, that's an that's an actual authentic old school Jacksonville Bulls helmet that I have there every every day. That that was my team, and then off below it, you'll see all the other teams of the old USFL. They've only brought a few back. It's not the same. They don't compete like they used to. But I, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to give them all the, the, you know, the old college tries fans. But it's baseball season to me. All right, let's get back into the Braves and let's get into what is going to, what we're going to look like this year. And a couple of things, you got to look at the payroll, the big term payroll obstacles that Anthopolis has, and and here was his comments on it. So Odorizzi, when we made the trade, our expectation was. With the trade, his salary was much lower than Will Smith's, just in base salary. He had a big buyout on an option of six and a quarter. So we had baked it all in that 
we planned on paying that buyout at six and a quarter, no matter what we made the trade. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith had a buyout as well. So even then, it was less dollars. And then, so that was going on the 2022 payroll. So in the trade for Allard, um, the six and a quarter was already going to be in there. He exercised the option. So it was a net three seven five for us. The transaction was a three seven five transaction. That was a 2022 transaction for us. It doesn't impact 2023. CBT wise, it is impacted. But again, we're more focused on the cash part of it. Like you said, we're under 200. CBT number is a lot higher. But again, you're looking at 20% on the amount you're over. So I think right now we're a hair over. So a million five, but we're still within the number we have from a payroll standpoint right now. And that's what we spend our time on. I know people obsess about it, CBT and so on. Um, other than just paying that 20% tax, there's no impact on us. I look at it as from a cash standpoint. So we might end up below, we might end up above, we might trade guys, you know, cash comes back. Like between now and the end of the season, I have no idea where we're going to end up. I do know what I have to spend in terms of cash and that's where we spend our time. So that's, that was them talking about what they do. And what, the reason why I play that is because everyone's going to try to play these games on what they can what, what they can and cannot trade for. What, what he's looking at is what he's trying to say is the actual cash in hand that is able to pay the payroll for this season and how it affects the balance sheet. And some of those numbers, the average fan doesn't really have the access to. But what you have to look at is if the Braves have the opportunity to make some minor ad- additions, they'll do it. But if you start getting towards the end of the season or towards the trade deadline and you start hearing people talking some real kooky duke trades, it's probably not going to happen because we're right there on the cusp and they're still running this as a business. This isn't one, you know, bananas billionaire like uh, Steve Cohen is. They're still running this as a business, so they have to work w- w- within the confines. And it's not worth breaking the bank because the next offseason, it'd be a huge salary dump because it, it, it's all related. Here is AA because of that on the long-term extensions, more of a uh, of, of, an, of a breakdown on the theory behind them. You, you get into a long-term deal, things could look fine at first but you know you guys it's a long road from here to the end just like when you sign a free agent um so you really need to let these things play out obviously the goal of these deals for the majority of these guys is for them to play well and to perform well and that means there'll be a second contract a lot of these guys will they'll be set up to be free agents again at 30 or 31 guys like Olsen and Riley obviously they were that was their big deal um that carries them through age of 35 uh but for all those other guys you mentioned the harrises the striders the albies the acuna you guys will still be young young men and hopefully they'll be they'll play well they'll stay healthy there'll be extensions beyond those with the braves but look i think with all this stuff there's definitely a give and take you're getting security you know especially the longer you go out the more things can happen uh performance wise and health wise but i think these guys want to stay here i think a big part of it is having a competitive team i think that's certainly important I think our staff, meaning not not the front office, the people in the clubhouse, the trainers, people that deal with the families. I'd say the fan base as well. They they sell out this place day in and day out. Um, and they talk about being a great environment, new ballpark, the battery, the surrounding areas. So there's a lot of things in place in, in Atlanta that are really, really desirable. Um, but I think more importantly, you need to have a team. I believe the player still has a chance to win. So the fact that these guys have bought into each other, uh, they know they're all going to be here. They're going to be together. They know what the they can do as, as a group. And obviously our goal is to be competitive year in and year out. 
So when you when you look at that, he's basically talking about what makes it attractive. How how are we getting these guys to to sign these club friendly deals? It's because you want to be a brave. You know you're going to be good. You know you're going to be on a good team. F- winning is fun. It's a great place to live. And then also, it's a great facility, great fan base, et cetera, et cetera. It all feeds off itself. And that kind of goes into the core beliefs of the organization that Anthopolis laid out in this little clip right here. Things organizationally that we believe in, but it's not because it's it's, it's an edict from one person, right? Like, Snit's going to manage the way he manages. He believes in the, what he believes in. He's setting the tone, being himself. You know, the players, it won't be the same each year, right? So there's certain core values we're going to have, and look, guys play every day here and things like that and so on. But if we get – we look at the games played calm when we acquire guys, right? So Sean Murphy started 116 games. Kurt Suzuki started, I think, years ago, looking like 130 or something, right? Freddie Freeman, Nick Markakis, like we don't have to tell them, hey, fellas, we play every day here. Acquire those guys, right? It's the same way if you're looking at other sports, like – who you drafting? You want strike throwers? You're drafting those guys. That's what we value. So I think it starts there. And then every year it's, it, it takes on its own life, its own image, its own, you know, but the same core value should end up being there. And so when you're, you're talking about ex, ex, extending these guys, that's one of the things that they look into. They, they're not going to extend a guy that they don't believe is for lack of a better term all in on the Braves way. When you look at this group, the last several years, you can tell it's a tight knit group. They have a lot of fun. Even the guys who are no longer here, but helped them win that championship and guys that they brought back who, who had kind of a down year considering, you know, a guy like Jackson Stevens, who also can be in that role of, of pitching multiple innings but he's a guy that fits in well at the clubhouse and he's got good stuff. They're not just signing guys cause they think they're good guys, but it, it is, it is a role that, that plays into it. When you look at the Braves and you look at the Mets, you look at the Phillies and you look at the projected win rate, the Braves are still in, in most of them projected to win the division. Now there are a couple of them that have the Mets most all in all have the Phillies in in the third slot. I still think the Phillies are a much more dangerous team because the Mets have not fixed their offense. They brought guys back, but that offense wasn't any good. It's the reason why the Braves were, were able to run them down. They got it to an incredible start. And I believe that the pitching staff has gotten worse. Now we'll see because the Mets with their rotation, they've got a lot of questions, but the Kodai Senga is going to be one of the biggest question marks coming over from abroad. Senga, a lot of folks believe that he's going to be lights out. There's others that question that. I do think he's going to be very, very good to start the season. And then when they come back around, that's always the biggest question mark is when when the rest of the league makes the adjustments, what's going to be like. But Jose Quintana is not better than Chris Bassett. He's not. He can be a very good control-type pitcher, 
but their pitching rotation is not better than what it was last year. Now, if they get health out of Tyler McGill, because he was off to an incredible start and then could not stay healthy, we'll see what happens. But their bullpen, yes, they brought back Diaz and Adovino, and they've got Dave Robertson now. But I don't know if top to bottom it's necessarily better. I think it's about status quo. But they still have not really fixed the catcher position, although they have high expectations for Francisco Alvarez. It's, I mean, we're still talking about a kid that's what? He's 21 years old. But the rest of the offense, I don't think they have a terrible offense, but they did not get the fix at third base they were hoping for. So what they have now is Eduardo Escobar and, and Luis Guillorme. They're outfield. Another platoon situation. Nemo is going to be their center fielder. Marte, assuming he can stay healthy as a right fielder. But I, I'm much more concerned with the Phillies long-term than I am the Mets. And it's not really a slap in the face to the Phillies, excuse me, to the Mets. It's more of the respect that I have for that Phillies offense that got even better. And they've got a solid pitching rotation. I don't think it's quite as good as the, as the Mets but I do think they did things to, to help their, their bullpen. We'll see what they get out of Kimbrell. That's a big question mark, but they did bring in Soto and Dominguez and Alvarado were just phenomenal last year, but their offense with real Muto and Hoskins Stott's playing a good second base. You got Bohm who's emerging and now Trey Turner is going to be at the top of that lineup. Schwarber's back. Brandon Marsh, We'll see what he does, but I, I think you're going to get so much better out of Nick Castellanos. Of course, Bryce Harper is starting off on the IR. We'll see where he ends up when he finally comes back on. But if he comes back and plays the way he did down the stretch, that offense is going to be potent. They're going to be dangerous. They probably won't win the division. I still think the Braves are going to win that division, but it's not going to be an easy road, and I'm more concerned with – Every night, I'm going to be staring at the Philly score as opposed to the Mets until I'm proved wrong because the Phillies have the offense, and the offense is going to reign supreme in 2023. All right, we got to jam out of here. Keep it locked in here for First Name on Sports. If you're here on the key, you're here on Braves Country HD. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow on Braves Country on 99.1 FM. Had a great time on Braves Day. Happy Hangover Day, y'all. We'll be back talking some football tomorrow. Have a good one. Goodbye, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. We're back tomorrow with another show. Well, unless we're fired, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Guys and gals, it's time to go. We'll see you on the next show. Same back time, same back channel. Thanks for listening to Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks on 99.1 FM WQEE, The Key in Noonan, Georgia, and simulcasting on YouTube.com forward slash at Braves Country.
Braves Country comes your way weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Please follow, like, and subscribe today. Armchair Quarterback Radio, your first choice for Southern sports. You're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key in Noonan, Georgia. Hey, sports fans, The Key has a brand new show. Braves Country is coming your way weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time on WQEE. Braves Country is a southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. We'll be talking the Atlanta Braves and Major League Baseball along with everything important to sports fans in Braves Country, the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, and the National Football League, and the big sports news of the day. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE, The Key, 99.1 FM, and simulcasting on YouTube.com forward slash at Braves Country. (laughs) 